This is a Broad Pods production. This is Broad Radio. For you, by you. Broad Radio. Here for more. Hello and welcome to Broad Radio. My name is Shelley Ware and I am joined today by author, amazing mum and comedian, Nellie Thomas. Oh, hello, Shelley. Someone's missing though. I know, someone is missing. Our beautiful Jo Stanley. Yeah. She has COVID, unfortunately, but is doing really, really well. Yeah. yeah. And she remind. I said, do it from home, Jo. Yeah. And then she reminded me that when we're sick, we take the time off. So we, we hope do. that you're doing really well and that you're healing well, Jo. But... One of the long-term goals of Broad Radio is that there will be many more shows and that we will have many more hosts and co-hosts. So this is essentially just an example of what can come ahead. Exactly. And mm. it's, uh, it's also an example of what the times that we're living in. I'm sure you know many people who've had coronavirus by now, as have I. Oh. Has it hit your household? We haven't had it in our home yet, Touchwood. Yeah, Touchwood, yes, me either. No. We'll see. But it, the numbers are certainly growing. So we we hope here at Broad Radio, if you do get COVID, that you do stay home and rest. That's right. Take exactly the time right. off. That's right. Just like our Joe. So coming up, we are going to be talking to AFLW. We're going to be talking AFLW with Nicole Livingston, who is the GM of AFL Women's Football. So we're looking forward to that and getting an insight into her amazing career that she's had. Phenomenal woman. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And the whole of Australia has been absolutely devastated by the floods that have happened in Queensland and New South Wales and we will have joining us writer and filmmaker Megan Brogberg so she's going to join us she's lost everything Nelly mm. absolutely everything mm. she's living in a caravan with her dog Bruce so we want to know what's going on up there how we can help mm. and how is she is going so that's something to look forward to so I'm a big fan of the AFLW mm. and I'm looking forward to catching up with Nicole but what I love about AFLW is that I love seeing people live their dreams you know it's been mm. a long time women have been playing football for such a long time but it's finally up on the big stage what do you love about footy i love so i was a bmx champion shelly so yes. my brother i love right. that right well in the 80s yes so course. i was a under 13s i mean i'm bragging now under 13 state girls champion but of course like many of the women in the aflw i had tried against boys mm. when i started and that is a whole different kind of scenario you don't feel included frankly so I think the thing I love, I'm not a massive footy fan, I'll confess, but the thing I love about AFLW is that the women and girls have the opportunity to be in their competition on their terms. Mm-hmm. And I do love, as a, as a mum of daughters, do you remember that ad? Yes. I'm a single yeah, mother yes. with a daughter. <laughs> as a mum of daughters, I do love that they can see those women succeeding. Oh, it's the best. And I love that children are all saying their favourite players now. Absolutely. AFLW players. Boys so, included. Boys I very, know a lot of boys who love the AFLW. Very, very much. Yeah. So we are going to get into the show. The AFL has exploded since its inception mm. in 2017 and it has gone from strength to strength, which has been wonderful to see. But we are thrilled to welcome here to Broad Radio, Nicole Livingston, who is a former Olympic swimmer and GM of AFLW. LW. W. <laughs> Nicole, how are you? I'm coming through a bit pixelated, which probably reflects my um, voice and um, a Tuesday after a public holiday. Yes, so, you've had sorry. a big one, have you? <laughs> well, no, no, I'm re- redoing the front yard, so a big one of manual labour. Right. Oh, good on <laughs> you. Oh, good That's on you. very wholesome. So it's an exciting time in <laughs> AFLW. You're going into your sixth final se- series. It's very exciting. What do you think you're the most proudest about this? Well, this year in particular, getting a season delivered and, um, you know, we've pulled all stops out to get mm. this season delivered after, you know, we, we've publicly stated that 2020 was was a huge um, disappointment for everybody not being able to deliver a premier. So, um, you know, we delayed the season to um, January because um, we had uh, Delta uh, mm. on the scene with uh, COVID. And then uh, after we'd made those announcements, we had a thing called Omicron um come on board so um to actually navigate through um COVID and um you know protect our players protect our people 
uh, and and deliver some joy to to the nation with AFLW. I think is is what I'm most proud of. And Nicole, there's been a lot of commentary about, I guess, the difficulty of playing in the summer. Um, how do you think the the players have dealt with that? Um, we're into our sixth season and we've always played in summer. So I'm not sure if the broadcasters are a little more uncomfortable, perhaps sitting boundary side um, with the heat uh, this year more than other years. But uh, essentially, we started this year four weeks earlier. So, um, you know, I've spoken to players who actually have said, uh, you know, I don't want to play in the winter. I like playing. I like the summer sweat. So, um, you know, I, I think um, trying to um, make sure from our point of view that we find the best time for AFLW to build and grow an audience. And I think that's the thing for all women's sport. We need mm. to rise this tide together. Um, you know, we've got men's sport that's been around for a very long time that um, brings great commerciality to it, great broadcast contracts. And, you know, women's sport, you look at something like the WNBA that's been around mm. for 25 years and it's still trying to find its feet after 25 years um, and has a very big shadow cast from the NBA. Mm. So um, for us to try and find the best time to play AFLW that capitalises on a one-sport concept where people are just watching their footy teams, they're not necessarily seeing women or men playing, they're tribal and they're, they're out there wanting their team to have a win. So they're the current discussions that we've got going with AFLW. So is that what the AFL was thinking about with changing the starting time to August? Um, so we haven't determined it yet. I mean, we've had a green light for the from the Commission to be able to... Um, do further work on the processes and procedures that need to take place because obviously we've got everything timed out for a December start. So things would need to be moved um, earlier, including a draft. So um, there's a bit of work to be done on that. But we've been working on this for, for a little while now, speaking to the industry. And the industry is actually challenging us to be bold. Um, and if we are looking at finding uh, a time that complements also the AFL audience, uh, the men's game, then, you know, be bold and pull out all stops to get it to happen in season seven so that we don't lose momentum with AFLW season seven. Um, even in talking about, you know, should we contemplate it for season eight, um, you know, some of the some of the terminology that was around it was treading water or stopgap season or, um, you know, and, and, and those kind of um, uh, phrases I think devalues AFLW. So, you know, if we're going to do it, we need to, to be bold. We need to strap in um, for what will be, um, you know, a quick turnaround. It won't be easy. But the benefit of that is once we hit December, everybody gets December, January off, including AFLW players. And if you talk to them, they're talking about, you know, having to watch what they're eating on Christmas Day. Nobody wants to do that. Mm. Um, thinking about going for a run Christmas night or, you know, Boxing Day instead of running through the sales. Um, so to actually spend time with your family and friends and, and have a proper break over a Christmas, break. New Year, I think is quite enticing. And Nicole, and I'll direct this to you as well, Shelley, because I feel like a bit of an outsider looking in, and this might be a really stupid question, but you know how they say there's no stupid no questions? No stupid questions. What I don't understand is what would be the problem with the AFLW and the AFLM playing at the same time? So could you not have, if you're a Collingwood fan, for example, couldn't you watch the women play and the men play on the same day with the same crowd? What are Do you your want thoughts there, Shelley? <laughs> you know I've got an answer. You've got, you're the guest, you're the guest. <laughs> you go for it. <laughs> so that would be utopia. Um, mm. Utopia doesn't exist at the moment with 34% of uh, venues, football venues across our nation being deemed as female-friendly. Um, that's risen from 28% to 34% in the last 10 years of work that we've done. Mm. And if you think about the big venues, there are very few big venues that can actually host a men's and women's team at the same time or a double header. Never a curtain raiser, just to educate everybody. A curtain raiser has a, a connotation that we are a secondary act. So mm. Mm. Um, to have a double header with AFLM is difficult. And what I want to protect is that our AFLW players are not compromising their preparation by having smaller change rooms, by having smaller preparation rooms. When you say, because again, as an outsider, I go, okay, MCG, SCG, wherever, you know, these big sporting venues, can they literally not accommodate just on a change room level the men's teams and the women's teams? 
Is that the um, barrier? That they can. Well, well, they can, but it's a small. The, the secondary change rooms are smaller change rooms. So well, again, the men can have that. They can have that. Well, equity we'll or equality. Them. Well, I mean, there's not enough warm-up areas either. The other thing to consider too is that the smallest um, gap that we can have between a men's and women's game is around two hours fifty in this COVID world. So it's not as simple as buy one ticket, you come and watch a men's and a women's game. Mm. You actually have a massive gap in between there because venues need to be cleaned, change rooms need to be cleaned. Um, yeah, so so it, it's not as easy as just going, yeah, let's just put all the men's and women's teams playing at the same time. Mm. Um, there, but that is the aim massive... eventually. Is that what we're building to? No, the, the aim... No, the aim is to have AFLW thriving and humming and having mm. an audience that assists with the commerciality of, of AFLW. Um, so, you know, really building that audience and, and the, the thought process around the August time frame is that, um, you know, to run alongside the men's finals where there are less games on, 10 teams have, have exited the building, so mm. to speak. Their fans are still looking for football content because they feel ripped off that their teams aren't playing. Uh, and then uh, there are more broadcast slots because of those less games, five less games during finals in the first week. And then we can come out the other side. Um, and, you know, there's spring racing carnival. So it's also about finding the right time to be able to build that audience, to be able to build the amount of people that are coming to games, to be able to watch games as well. Um, because it, it needs to actually... Unfortunately, we're, we're judged on these traditional traditional metrics of attendances and, um, and audiences. There's no doubt that women's football is doing so much more than just AFLW. If you look at mm. 600,000 women and girls playing Australian football, community clubs being revitalised by a new volunteer base of women coming to clubs like never before, um, not to mention things like you know, the health benefits or the, the strong connection between a reduction of violence against families and, and mm. women um, by showing respect to women in, in, you know, a football scenario in the community. So we're not judged on that yet. And, and I think they're probably for all women's sport needs to be maybe through Sport, sport Australia, some, some assistance with coming up with those metrics that actually shows the value that's more than just bums on seats or eyes on the screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we certainly noticed a, a lack of crowd in the January and I think that had a lot to do with even myself personally needing to go on a family holiday mm-hmm. and I think that's what will the change of time will actually give back to these players as well, that yeah. there'll be that better balance. Mm-hmm. And it's always going to be very difficult making that change because they have just yeah. come off a season and then they're going to go bang into another season. So uh, the AFL, I imagine, would be very much considering, you know, that these women also have work that they've just taken holidays from because they're semi-professional players and Mm. there's just so much to consider isn't there Nicole? Yeah there is and um, you know you think about you know three and a half months or two and a half months if you make it through to the grand final I think any player would sacrifice an extra month of playing to win a grand final Um, you know you have to be starting to uh, contemplate what does it look like for an individual player preparation plan you know, you think about someone like the Melbourne Storm who protected Cameron Smith and Billy Slater for years of not doing that hard December work that the new rookies did uh, and only brought them back in January because they had the kilometres in their legs and they didn't need to, you know, uh, break down in, in pre-season. So we, we've now got players that have done six years of AFLW and, and some of them are saying, you know, this will be fantastic. It's a two for one. Whilst I might have been contemplating um, retiring, I now get another season in there. So, um, you know, we do need to be more mature in the way that we're we're looking at each and every player on our 30-player list in terms of what their individual preparation plans might look like. They'll come in off a better base because they won't have that six months of, of off-season. Um, so we just need to be smart in the way that we're um, preparing them. You know, it's a funny one too, I think, an old kind of thing that I learnt in you know feminist spaces is to just ask the question how would if you reverse this situation ready to pop the question the jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds and they're ready to ship to your door Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Um, how would everyone feel? You know, if the men were having to argue for pay equity, if they were having to argue for change room spaces, if we were debating in March when the start of their season would be, would we find this acceptable? And we wouldn't. We wouldn't find it acceptable. And that shows we've got a little way to go. It's it's an interesting um, uh, environment that we operate in because we also need to acknowledge that the men's game's been around for 160 years. We've been around for six years. So, yes, we have a long way to go. But if you look at the progress that we've made from mm. six years ago, not having any competition to in 2022 having $11 million in player payments that, mm. that goes to players, uh, 420 women as the biggest employers of, of female athletes in the nation, soon to be 540. There is so much that we can celebrate. Mm. My fear is as we push for more, um, which we should be pushing for more, is that we actually lose the joy in what we're doing mm. uh, and we lose the celebration of how far we have actually come. come. So, yeah, um, yeah the, the men have mm. fought for, for better pay. I mean, that happened, that played out in the 1990s as they mm. transitioned from amateur athletes to full-time athletes. So that's, that's um, the place that we're in now. But we're also in an environment where women's, rights and women's you know the equality and the equity space is being debated and spoken about Mm. like never before um Mm. so trust me from my perspective Mm. it's a really interesting space to be working in and and have find that balance i hope they step up yes me too Mm. keep fighting and keep finding the joy is what i take out of that Mm. for sure so let's talk to you as a person and an athlete you're quite impressive with your uh, being an olympian as a teenager straight into broadcast and here you are now as the you know gm of aflw resilience must play a huge role in who you are as a person What, what what how did you do that? How, how are you so resilient? <laughs> who are you? And who what are happened? you? And in this high-pressured environment, <laughs> yeah. what are some of the advice you have for people about high-pressure environments well, it's like, Where does resilience? that drive come yeah. from? Yeah. Now, I think the first thing is that, um, you know, this balance that we all crave I think is bullshit. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's really difficult. <laughs> it's difficult to be able to have balance. You know, I've mm. you missed in there. I've got three kids as well. So, you know, I've got a 14-year-old boy coming out of um, living in COVID in, in the world's most locked down city that, mm. you know, he's uh, in year nine um, and, you know, has basically been at high school for two or three terms this this whole mm. secondary school life that he's had so you know trying to balance um, work and family and 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 I have to say the AFL is so very supportive of of me as a working mum and and um, working parents um, it's I feel incredibly blessed to be able to work for the AFL and be supported um, I've always had um, instilled in me from my mum that I need to have financial independence um, so, you know, to be able to make sure that I've um, got myself uh, in a position to be able to work and, and be able to not only support myself but my family as well is really important to me, mm. which is why I've always had these parallel careers going on. Um, when I was swimming, I was working. Um, so I was, I was doing 30 hours a week in the pool but also working another 20-plus hours for Australia Post in corporate public affairs and then moved straight into broadcast whilst I was also swimming as well. So I, I've always had, um, you know, these parallel careers to make sure that I um, was able to continue to um, look after myself and my family. So uh, mm. when broadcast started to slow down in, the for- in my 40s where... Um, women are no longer uh, revered for their experience or their wealth of information um, or how they perform on air. They're more judged by how they look or, um, you know, their age. I recognised that I wasn't going to continue to work too much in, in the media space, so started to move into sports administration at the same time So, um, and then was able to, to push harder into sports administration when TV fell away. Well, and not here, Nicole and Shelley, can I say? I think that's part of Joe's vision for, for setting mm. up Broad Radio is to acknowledge, I mean, I feel like I didn't know anything till I was 40. 
Oh, 100%. You know, <laughs> no, no disrespect to younger women. Um, Nicole, I saw a meme for International Women's Day that just reminded me of what you were saying about your mum's advice. Mm. Uh, there was a, a woman when she got married, um, her husband basically said, oh, I don't think you need to buy those biscuits or something like that. And she said, that's the day I went and got a job. 100%. You know, I want to determine what I choose um, to spend my money on. And, you know, in my case, as someone who's fairly recently separated after a really long relationship, it's very important to have that financial independence so to have yeah. that so yeah. you're not left destitute. Yep. So important. And it's great that yeah. your mum... Yeah, and with that is... Yeah, no, mum mum, was a chef and worked... She had me at 38, turning 39, back in the 70s. Mm. That was that was quite late. Um, mm. But she, uh, like, she ran Metropolitan Golf Club in Victoria, which had international golfing events and... Um, in terms of the kitchen, I should say, which she mm. ran. Uh, you know, Australian Opens, I walked the course, you know, with Greg Norman playing as a, as a mm. young girl. So she worked all her life and, and instilled that in me as well. You mm. know, and when my twins were born premature at 33 weeks, I was uh, back on poolside working, commentating um, before their gestation of 40 weeks, wow. um, you know, had, had, had occurred. So, um, you know, I've always worked hard all my life um, mm. and I am looking for a rest sometime soon, mm. but there's so much to do and I still love the job that I do with the AFL. Um, we've got so much to do. Uh, we released recently our 2030 AFL uh, women's football vision and, and we're now working through the roadmap on that um, and we've been able to to bring people into the business to be able to help with that. So there's so much left to do and, and it's pretty exciting. And some people have to keep moving. Yes. Don't they? You, I yeah, strike me as one of those. You've got you, like like a shark in the best possible way. If Absolutely. you stop, you know, it, it doesn't work out. That's true. Before you leave, I really want you to tell us about. You've been talking about your mum and what a wonderful person she was, but she sadly did pass away from ovarian cancer. So, can you tell us about the organisation that you and your sister started up, please? Yeah, my sister Karen and myself and three others, um, one of them was Linda Gibson. Um, unfortunately, Linda passed away from ovarian cancer. We founded Ovarian Cancer Australia because we were outraged that really no information was around about ovarian cancer. And when mum was diagnosed in 2001, we had no idea about it. Uh, and at that stage, you know, you were seeing um, breast cancer and the information really come to the fore and, and a real difference in the diagnosis and survival of women with breast cancer. There's no detection test for ovarian cancer. Sadly, um, you know, too many women die each and every year. You know, well over 3,000 women are affected each and every year. And, and you know, uh, it's more often than not discovered quite late um, in its stage uh, because it's a silent killer. You know, a lot of the symptoms that that we um, tell you that, you know, are the jigsaw pieces are symptoms that we have each and every day, you know, mm. um, you know, feeling a full um, indigestion, back pain, um, you know, needing to urinate frequently, uh, pain during during sex, you know, all, all of all of these things are things that we can experience from time to time. But what we say is that if it is not normal and it's continuing um, over a period of time, more than two weeks, then please go to your doctor and ask, could it be my ovaries? You can see ovariancancer.net.au. There's a symptom tracker that you can download to be able to track your symptoms. So, and, and lots of other information, including support groups, not only for women, um, we've moved into research. We're funding ovarian cancer nurses now. So we're exceptionally proud that in our 20th year, um, the, the teal ribbon organisation over in Cancer Australia is saving lives. And I remember Gibbo saying, because she was at my first ever stand-up gig and I've actually done a couple of gigs for your organisation, I remember her saying, you don't take no for an answer. If you go to the no, GP and they say, it's no, okay. you know, that's just normal. People get diarrhoea, people have pain during it. No, no I, want, I want to be off. checked. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, It's that's such a right. common, common, yeah. common theme for be women. Be a bad patient. Yep. <laughs> so called. Yeah, and there is a, yeah. there is a there, there is a genetic link as well between ovarian cancer and breast cancer as well. That's mm. only a small percentage. BRCA one and BRCA two. I have BRCA two, um, so I no longer have ovaries, and that's my mum's mm. gift um, to me. So, so yeah, it's a lasting. What an astounding, yeah. astounding. Yeah, one. thank you, so Nicole. Thank, yeah, thank you, Nicole. It's been an absolute pleasure. We look forward to some footy finals and keep you yeah. working hard there inside. Keep and fighting the good fight. <laughs> And if you want to see anything about AFLW, it's womens.afl is where you find all the information. Awesome. Thank you so much.
When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, it has been just over two weeks that we've seen these tragic floods in Queensland and northern New South Wales. And people have lost their homes. Oh, no. really, they've lost absolutely everything for some people. Total devastation. Mm. And we've had two, 22 people that have actually lost their lives. It has um, been really hard for people watching from afar, but we can't even imagine what it's like to be there at the front of it. So our next guest is here to talk to us. We have Megan Brobeg from the town of northern New South Wales in Wardell. Welcome, Megan. Thank you so much. Hey, Thanks Megan. So what was it like when the flooding started, Megan? Um, it was it was funny because it actually it started quite the whole experience started quite slowly. Like obviously the, the tragedy had already unfolded in Lismore and they were under 14 metres of uh, rainwater at that time. And I got an alert probably, I think it was the Tuesday evening and it was just an evacuation order. But the town seemed like just quite quiet and quite calm about it all. And that sort of evening I went over and spoke to a couple of um, locals because uh, I live right in the centre of town. That's my that's my bank there that I used to live in. And they were all like, oh, look, we're going to wait, we're going to wait. So everyone talks about the 74 flood, which was the last really big one. And the Wardell's never really flooded and um, the water in 74 only sort of got up to the door and sort of the bottom of the pub, which is on the river. So I thought oh, I'll trust the wisdom of the, the old folks and, and I'd stick around too. But by the following morning, the water had already sort of come up the road. In fact, the night before, I got up at about 1 o'clock and the river had turned into, it looked like a tsunami. You know, the, the sound was so incredibly loud. It was roaring and that's when I started to see bits of debris and houses and stuff coming down and I still waited it out I'd sandbagged the front of my house and then by 6am the next morning I had to get out like the water was coming up and the only way to sandbag the back door was for me to leave so I'd had already had a friend from further down in town staying with me she'd already flooded so we left and we just sort of I'd already the night before packed a getaway car with one small suitcase and you know, and parked up the hill so it wouldn't be anywhere near the encroaching water. And, you know, like, I wish I'd put more stuff in it. I, I just mm. didn't know it would get as bad as it eventually got. But, you know, the fact is the Richmond River where we were, like that that 14 metres of flood water from Lismore and Casino and everything had to go somewhere and it had to go via the river out to the ocean. So that's why... Everyone from Wardell would burn Broadwater all the way through to Ballina um, were completely overwhelmed and inundated. And it was it was a different experience for us because it had stopped raining. It was these two perfectly sunny days and, and the water just slowly, and it can just slowly come, yeah. came up. And next, you know, by the afternoon, my place was under like two and a half metres of water. And that Megan. was Wednesday. I wonder, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but, and it's a, it's a strange analogy in a way, but, you know, obviously in Melbourne we've lived through this couple of years of weeks and months at a time of lockdown and I think a lot of mm. us felt like people in other parts of the country just didn't have any understanding of what we're going through. Mm. And yeah. watching the footage of the floods the other day, I thought, well, I can't really understand that either. You know, I mean, I can try but yeah. I can't really understand the devastation that you're experiencing. Yeah, and I, I felt the same. Even watching the footage of my own event that I was in, I'm like, I'm that person who looks at the news and, mm. and sees it all happen. You're like, oh, that's sad. That's, that's mm. bad. But being 
there at the coalface in the middle of it and, and also the the panic of the rescue as well because no one in our town really believed it would get as bad as this. Lots of people, lots of the old people didn't evacuate. So then, you know, there's one stage where I'm with a couple of guys like wading through like waist deep water, these small units to help these where a lot of um, retired older people live to help them out because they didn't leave until it's basically too late. And it's, you know, surreal, such an overused word. It didn't feel real at all. Mm. And the initial experience is so overwhelming, but you also feel you just have like a job to do and help people Mm. because there was no, there was no help. And I think that's what, you know, was quite shocking about the experience. I'm standing there. I, I was there all day as the floods got worse and worse. And I'm thinking when, like, where is everyone? Yes. Like, no emergency services. And look, the SES, I, you know, I I used to be a part of the SES in the Blue Mountains. It's, they're a volunteer organization. There's limited membership. It's also, uh, it's what a lot of people don't realize. Like, I I did two training modules with the SES just to do storm rescue, which is taping up people's front yards and learning how to use a chainsaw. To do the flood module, it's six to 12 months of training. A lot of the Mm. SES are older people and retirees. And of course, I mean this with no disrespect at all, but you know, like you need to be quite physically capable and very fit to do the flood rescue stuff. So even within the SES, there's a very small amount of people that are actually qualified. And it shouldn't be all down to them. I mean, it's it's simply not fair. Yeah, it shouldn't be volunteers. And so that's through most of the day. You know, you'd see there was all all you could see is just private citizens in their boats going up the river. So Woodburn and Broadwater were absolutely inundated. And the people with jet skis, and you know, like when when you when you're at a beach and you see someone drowning, you don't go and help them because you might also drown. You get mm. the surf lifesavers. So the situation, like these private citizens, put themselves in the most dangerous mm. situation. It felt it was like from here talk. watching. It was like watching in another country, don't you think? It was, but I mm. think what we saw was exactly what you're talking about, Megan. Was that it was the citizens that stepped up? Mm. It was the community that mm. helped each other and got the old people out. You know. Yeah. We will literally be forever indebted to these brave people mm. that actually did this, you know, untrained. Yeah. Yeah. We, I saw, I was up on the bridge um, at Wardell and I saw a couple, this young couple who were just going up and down in their flat bottom boat and they had a, a couple with them that they'd rescued off the roof in broad water. And the waters came through so quickly that they had nothing but two garbage bags of clothes that they managed to take with them. And they shoved their cat in an esky. And, and so they didn't know until we got off the boat if the cat was even alive. So oh. they got off the boat, got this way behind it, opened it, the little cat pokes its head out. Oh. And then the guy from with an NRMA truck who's been shuttling people out of broad water where he can, and he's been working with that boat, like, and grabbed them once they got out of the boat, got them to safety, and the guys went in this boat back up the river. And this is the same time that, like, this is some of the, I don't think I'll ever get over this, these hundreds of livestock coming down the river, oh. like, alive, right? So that's oh. being swept away from casino and the farms up there, like, crying out for their lives, oh. you know? Oh. <laughs> I'm much of a meat eater, but I'm certainly not going to now. And the few we managed to get a few of them on the shore in um, mm. in Wardell, but not not enough. And no, I know there was always very, like, yeah, very traumatizing, very yeah. traumatizing, and mm. so many elements that we will simply never understand. And we're so mm. so sorry for the people that have mm. had to go through it, and of course the the wildlife and the and the, mm. the livestock yeah. that has had to as well, and the psychological effects mm. that it. Because I think, you know, I'm sure you're the same, Shelley. Like watching. People, you know, you're the Mick Fannings and, I mean, he's the famous one, but plenty of just everyday people rescuing people is beautiful and gives me faith in humanity, but it also enrages me because they should not have to be in that position and they're not trained to do it and they're putting themselves in danger. You know, where is the government? Where are the authorities? Why did it take a week, you know, for help to arrive Mm. in so many places? It's not. It's not right in a country like ours. It's not. No, nothing about that was okay. But you did manage to get Bruce out. Tell us about Bruce. Yeah, we we got, we, I I shuffled him out like early as possible and and he was just great. Like he's such a, you know, he's, I'm reluctant to say he's a chill dude. He's a border collie Kelpie, but, um, (laughs) you know, he's happy to sit in the car and trot around town and. and, Look at his little face. Like he's, he's been wonderful, but even it sounds, I always feel a bit silly when I say this, but he's really traumatized by this. Yeah, absolutely. uh, He 
I didn't, I sound so stupid, but I didn't want him to see the house after when I managed to finally get back in there. I just didn't. And he, he got a bit scared when we, we pulled all of the, the debris and everything out of the house and he got a bit scared from a digger and ran back in there and scratched himself up. But then he was running around the house, slipping around the mud, like running into each room, looking for his bed, looking for his home, and it wasn't there. And he was so upset. I was really yeah. quite like overwhelmed by yeah. his reaction to it. And he was covered in, you know, river mud. and Well, and yeah, animals like- don't dissociate. You know, what you described before about it felt like surreal and... You know, it wasn't like I was watching. And that's because humans have the capacity to dissociate and cope. Mm-hmm. Animals are just present and mm-hmm. feeling it. And then you can't help but feel their feelings. Do you know that bushfire ad that we have where they have to leave the dog behind? Oh, yes. Honestly, I can't even watch it. No, my husband has commented on no, I wouldn't be oh, able to it's either. Just the, it's just so horrendous. But I'm so glad you got Bruce out. And that mm. must be giving you some comfort I imagine yeah yeah it's it's funny you say about them knowing as well the night before he's not doesn't have separation anxiety I was just packing the bag and every time I'd leave the house he would howl and this is when the water just started to get a little bit rougher coming down the river and the birds and these bats in the tree in front of my house were all behaving really weirdly and leaving it was very strange that every animal seemed to know what was about to happen and they're signaling Yes, yep. they're definitely yeah, signalling. 100%. <laughs> so, Nelly, you touched on it, that the government hasn't helped as much as we can. We have seen civilians doing things that are just mm. heroic beyond words and I don't even think there's going to be enough medals to go around. No. Like it's been absolutely stunning. But what can we do to help from here watching? Mm. Look, I think I was reading this, a, a couple of, you know, local people today. One thing that, that you know, just from the government point of view is – I think we're all just getting really sick of hearing whose fault it was and like, mm. well, okay, well, let's acknowledge like, and, and or the ADF don't do this or whatever. It's like, just shut up and do something, okay? Mm. Like that's that's where we're at now. Like I don't care if the state government should have triggered mm. the bloody constitutional request for the ADF to do this, to do that. We don't care about the machinations Stop of talking. state and federal government. Do something. Mm. Get on the bloody phone to each other and mm. do something, you know, like and and Reese, like just as I was driving around yesterday, and the ADF, you know, they are there now, but and this is still very valuable help that they're giving, but they're there doing all of the like they've got these big trucks in there and they're collecting garbage and they're taking it to the um the the quarries and and where they're getting rid of it all and and that to me it's like. These men and women are so skilled. Like where we needed mm. them was in the rescue. Mm. That's where mm. their skills are amazing. We don't in need them. In, and carrying you know, and old people out. They're being garbage collectors. Like they're helping. Mm. That like I, I, you know, that they're being really helpful. But uh, I think there's two things that uh, uh, the Red Cross have obviously done the huge telephone and appeal. And I think the Red Cross is a great place to start if you want to help. Lots of small community pages, like I know Wardell Community Connect, they're, they're still really looking after themselves. There. They've set up the town hall. They're taking donations for people to go in. And so lots of the small towns and local governments are doing this. So that's probably a good place to start. Mm. Look at the LGAs mm. that have been affected and you'll find community groups who, you know, if you, you're not in a position to donate money, then lots of things um, are needed, particularly household items now. So a lot of people don't have beds. There's over 3,000 homeless people there now. The Northern River's already had a housing crisis and mm. it's going to be catastrophic. I think the other thing that I really want and, and you know, part of the reason that I wanted to do this is we've dropped off the new cycle. Mm. It, it's, it's like it didn't happen and I know there's a lot of other really catastrophic world events at the moment but, like... Uh, you know, last week I was getting so upset. Like, there's mm. no doubt, like, you know, the untimely and tragic death of Shane Warne is a terrible thing. Mm. But the fact that that was the front page of every newspaper for the past week, I mean, mm. it's just, first of all, disrespectful to his family to sensationalise yeah. that. And we feel really forgotten. And yeah. I, I, was, I said this to someone yesterday. It feels like, you know, when someone dies close to you, everyone's there and after the person dies and up to the funeral and then you kind of everyone goes back to normal life well that's mm. where we are at the moment like the initial adrenaline and community spirit and all the excitement mm. I don't use that positively mm. but the initial event has now passed and we're we're still there and you now know? you like, need the help sure do yeah, yeah. And this is where we need the help and the attention and it's I almost think we like, can Megan yeah. we'll just remind our mm. listeners and viewers I think that we can donate 
but sure. also maybe even on our social media and other things we keep it in the news keep it yeah. in the news and thank yeah. you so much megan for sharing your story with us which yeah. does allow thank us you. to keep it in the news we wish you all the yeah. best and we will certainly getting those donations yeah. in for you and if you're close by and you're able to drive there you know drop off some household items go around your house mm. i mean yeah. my house it's forever there's yeah, something that i can do mm. i so thank yeah. you very much megan and you take care thank thanks you. megan thanks a so I also work for the Curry Mail and, and they've got a fundraiser page, mm. a GoFundMe page, which I know will be 100% going to mm. the people who don't have insurance and so you know, making their homes again. So if you are looking for a page as well, that you can go to the GoFundMe page at Bunjala, which is the Curry Mail GoFundMe page, and they're doing a brilliant job there. Well, and Shell, just very quickly on that note, I think it is important too when you are donating, just to make sure you know where you're donating. You know, that it's, um, just check that out. Broad Radio, talking inspo we love, info we need, and sharing more of us. Watch and listen live every Tuesday, 9am, Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time at broadradio.com.au or find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and LinkedIn at Broad Radio Oz. Talk to us live. Call on 1300 8 Broad. Catch up on demand anytime, anywhere, every time, everywhere. On the train, we'll be here. 2 a.m. existential crisis, <laughs> we've got you covered. Broad Radio, here for more. So one of the things we love here at Broad Radio is that it is women of all walks of life connecting and sharing their stories. And one of the things our listeners might not know is that I'm a teacher and you're a teacher. Well, kind of. Kind you're of. a proper teacher. Yes. <laughs> I'm a proper teacher. 25 years in the industry. Yes. I sent my son back up after our homeschooling experience here in Victoria, but yeah. you've actually kept one of your children at home and you're homeschooling. How's that going? Yeah, well, it's interesting. <laughs> so, you know, interesting, um, in inverted commas. No, long story short, she is a beautiful, neurodiverse young woman. She's nine. Um, she's autistic. During lockdowns, she thrived. I mean, I certainly didn't, you know, and I don't know anyone else who did, but she had always struggled, as I'm sure you'd understand mm -hmm. as an educator, in mainstream environments, and we kept trying different things and advocating and changing schools and the school she was at, to their credit, did everything they could. Oh, um, but she just, those environments in my view are just not built for kids like mine. Agree. And I couldn't ignore it. In lockdown, mm. you know, she went from, I never share much personal information about her, but for example, she went from struggling to read to now reading chapter books. Oh, wonderful. Then you are a teacher, my dear. Either I'm an excellent teacher <laughs> Or she's doing better in a more quiet, yes. predictable, um, sensory. loving environment, yeah. you know? Yeah, being able to control the sensory overload is a really powerful thing for children. Also the social stuff. Yeah. I think for a lot of, particularly a lot of autistic kids, the, the playground looms large. Sure does. So, yeah, so she's well doing really well. Yeah, well, well I'm trying my best, Shell. I'm well, trying. I'm do. learning a lot. I this bet. is what I think is really interesting. I loved school, but there were many things obviously I didn't learn. And going back, I'm learning this stuff again. It's really interesting. Love it. Now, mm. I, I'm currently doing teaching where I'm actually helping teachers out. So I'm writing curriculum with Aboriginal and Torres Strait mm. Islander history and culture and, and making sure that, um, like yourself, mm. are well supported. And one of the things I've been writing is the teacher notes for ceremony the new adam goods oh, book amazing but we also did some parent and carer notes as well yeah. so can you just like, send them to me please? i sure will Thank so you. there's a lot out there we're actually acknowledging that this is a part of the norm now that parents are wanting to do this too so i'm really really pleased to be a part can of i say because i think homeschooling is very different to remote learning yes so remote learning got a really bad rap and i get that we hated mm. remote learning <laughs> but one of the benefits of homeschooling i say on international women's day my daughter had found out that Florence Nightingale, there was the equivalent of a Florence Nightingale who was a black English woman that none of us know about who did exactly mm. the same things as Florence Nightingale. Yep. In a homeschool situation, you can go, let's learn about her. Love that. Love, yeah. love it, love it, love it. But I also loved my long weekend too. Oh. Tell, me, tell me about yours. Honestly, I had one of the best weekends I reckon I've had in a couple of decades. Oh, like, good. That's a big call. Big call. Big call. I went to the Chill Out Festival in Dalesford, which is a, 
LGBTQIA plus festival, very inclusive, beautiful, lots of things on, like a bus going around between barbecues and discos and parades. Mm. And I mean, I know it's a stereotype show, but I do love a gay man. I love, and a gay man loves me. Beautiful. And I'm walking down the street. Oh, aren't you adorable? You know, it was good for my ego. You know what I'm saying? You'll be back next year, is that what you're saying? I will be back every year. I had such a nice and nice to be out. Oh, it was so nice to be out. Wasn't it? Yeah. What did you do? I headed off to Bright with my family in the caravan and we yeah. went to the Brighter Days Festival, which is a festival that raises awareness of a skin disease short EB, which just takes too many children's lives. And it's one of those things like I've what Nicole was talking what about. What is EB? Hasn't been, now I'm going to try my best yeah. here. Dystrophic Epimolosis bullimosa because I'm dyslexic, so I just okay. Let me try. (laughs) Dystrophic (laughs) epidermolosis bullosa. There you go. A rare skin disease. Okay, so it's a rare skin where that's fatal. The child blisters and it ends up being fatal. And three three beautiful souls were taken last year. So it's a collection of volunteers who put this amazing festival together mm. of Australian music you know it was John Stevens was up there and kids Beautiful. were on shoulders and John Stevens yelled out to everyone best parenting ever yeah you've got your kids here listening to Australian music you know it was oh wonderful. So, I watched Kylie Oldest um, she was one of the performers at Chill Out And again, just to be, it was beautiful weather. So it was a lovely outdoor event, live music, Australian performer. You know, when you're at some events and they just have a collectively positive vibe. Yes. Like everyone was lifted up. If there was someone sitting on their own, and I mean this literally, you'd see someone go over and go, come dance with me. Let's go. You know, it was just beautiful. I had the best time. I had a dad, I took a photo of a son and dad together and he said, we're connecting with the joy again. So that was pretty oh, special. Oh, don't. That'll make me cry. Can I tell you one quick story about Chill Out, though? Jeez, it was funny. They have a um, shuttle bus. Mm-hmm. So I went with two of my friends and we might have had a couple of drinks, right? And Fair they enough. decided to go home early and they get on the bus. About an hour and a half later, I go to get the bus as it's going around. They were still on the bus. And I'm like, what are you doing? They're screaming. And everyone else is screaming. I said, what are you doing? They're like, it won't stop, Nelly. It won't stop. Because the bus driver had obviously been contracted. It's not a normal thing that he does. Oh. And he just kept missing their stuff. <laughs> so they were just doing bog laps at Dalesford. Oh, well, I hope they the had funniest. fun. They did. Oh, they had a great that, time. Oh, that's yeah. good. You can always make your own fun. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the world certainly has been hard to bear in the last few weeks and so many people need a good laugh and Mm. that's what we're hoping we can bring to this segment here and we have a beautifully talented and amazing comedian, musician, joining us now, Jude Pearl. Jude Pearl. She's the best. Chuck out the rest. Mm. Amazing. (laughs) I think I met you, Jude, probably, what, five years ago or something at another radio station. And yeah, was that yeah. Triple R? I think it was at Triple R. And I distinctly yep. remember thinking, because, you know, obviously in our industry you meet a lot of people, mm. but I remember just thinking, oh, this one's special. This mm. one's very oh, special. Stop, stop. No, that. I won't stop. Oh. I'm lifting you okay, up is right. what I'm doing. Thank you. <laughs> nice. Well, I have heard the song you're about to sing for us and it is pretty special. Okay. Before we get into the song, <laughs> what have you been up to lately? Uh, well, I've just been getting back into... Um, you know, doing shows and and mm. uh, talk talking to the outside world again, which is um, good. Yeah. It's good. Um, it, and I'm trying to just get back to the level of social awkwardness I had pre pandemic. <laughs> so, um, which isn't a it shouldn't be a hard goal, but it it turns can out be for me. It so, certainly yeah. is. Now, the new <laughs> album that you have out at the moment is Participation Award. I have yes. very strong feelings about particip- participation. Oh, do share. Very Firm strong. views? Firm You're views. against yeah, or for? Against. Should not be. Oh, so, yeah. interesting. They go, they go We're going to fight about that later. <laughs> yeah, they're, um, I do enjoy, everyone has, I think everyone has a very strong feeling about participation awards, which I didn't realise until. Um, you write a show I about it. The show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I, um, I absolutely can see both sides. I can did see you win any awards at the- school, Jude? Just, just, just the participation, participation award. Okay. I have a um, not this. I don't know if this is um, 
I should be saying this, but in that photo, my album cover where I'm holding the award up, technically that's actually what I'm holding wow. is an encouragement award. It isn't oh, a participation award. It's an encouragement enough. award, which I think is the same thing. No. It was for chess. It was for, I love, for chess. I love an encouragement award. Yeah. I'm good for that. You don't want okay. reward I'm not, just show I'm not up. good for turning up. Yeah. Just rocking up okay. and getting an award. Right, right. That I don't do. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Do you know what? I will I, tell you yeah. because she's a comedian and would have been part of the broad radio team, um, beautiful Stella Young, who I'm sure you both know, yeah. her mum, uh, I remember telling her telling me a story. Stella got given a participation award from school mm. and she came home with it and, and her mum's like, well, what did you get it for? And she's mm. like, oh, because I, you know, was there. <laughs> and her mum... <laughs> Marched her back up, this, you know, child with a disability, marched her back up to school and said, you give her an award when she achieves something and not before this is patronising. And that's wow, always that's, stayed in my mind where I thing. thought maybe that's why Stella was such a high achiever, you yeah. know, because she wouldn't, her parents wouldn't accept that. I don't yeah, know. I don't accept it either. But anywho, we're here for you. <laughs> so where can we find your music? Well, it's, um, at the moment you can um, pre-order the album on Bandcamp. So it's just judepearl.bandcamp.com um, and it comes out April 7th and uh, I'll be doing some shows in Melbourne and Sydney and Brisbane. And the Melbourne shows will be a full band at Comedy Festival um, at Max Watt. So it'll be pretty pretty exciting and And um, Jude, can I um, just explain to our listeners, because I'm not going to dwell on it, but COVID's been a shit show for our industry Mm. and no one talks about it enough. Bandcamp (laughs) is one of the formats that gives most of the money to the artist. So even if you're not familiar with Bandcamp, the reason I assume Jude's using it is because it's actually ethical. So please go to Bandcamp and order the album and buy tickets for the comedy festival and elsewhere. Thanks, yeah, we thanks for it. mentioning that, Nelly. <laughs> yeah, yeah but, um, you're absolutely right. Like, um, Bandcamp is kind of like a bit of a, a life raft yes. in the music streaming world where, you know, you just, there's like not very much revenue from mm. streaming for artists. So, mm. Bandcamp is, um, gives the artist like between 85 and 90% mm. of what you pay goes directly to the artist, which is you like. You can't pay your rent yeah. with clicks. You know, no. but you can try camp I'm... or flowers <laughs> yeah. or flowers or a meal. No. Oh, how many times do I get offered to do a gig? We'll give you dinner. I've got dinner at home. And I'm good. It's good. <laughs> Thank you. So, Jude, tell us. I think I might have missed it. If I missed it, then maybe our audience missed it. But where do we hear you live? Um, so, Mel in Melbourne, um, eight, April Festival? 19th. Yeah, Comedy mm-hmm. Festival. I'm just doing one week of shows with a band at Max Watts. So, um, six shows, April 19th to April 24th, and then um, one show in Sydney, May 22nd, and three shows in Brisbane. So we go May to the 20- Comedy Festival website in Melbourne and yes. look up Jude Pearl, and you can do that at the other festivals. I'm sure you have a website, I'm assuming? Yeah, just judepearl.com. Perfect. Clever. Love um, it. Yeah, just look for the photo of me holding the award like this. And <laughs> we that, will. That's me. So your song <laughs> that you're about to sing us, Hamish. Yeah. Yes. I think I've had some of them in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't we all? <laughs> but tell us about it and take it away. Sure. Well, it's funny you were talking about school before because I can totally relate to um I used to beg my mum to let me be homeschooled all the time in primary school. But um Oh but... good, tell me I'm doing the right thing then, please. <laughs> I, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Thank you. I'm very happy that it's happening. <laughs> Great. Um but uh yeah school was of course like most people it was just an awkward time and I just um this is a song about um you know when you when you when you're just kind of in love with someone from afar and you don't really know how to make how to make it happen but Mm. and that was definitely my high school experience of just being being in love with people from from afar so that's unrequited love Mm, that's right that's right yeah yeah let's hear it Jude all right, here we go. Hi, Sess the producer here. I just have to butt in because we're not allowed to play the whole song in our podcast. So here's just a tiny bit. You can go back and watch it at broadradio.com.au and you get to see the pictures as well because we love Jude Pearl. She's just gorgeous in every way. Hang on, here she is. Hamish, oh Hamish McMahon, the way that you'd sit in that chair. Ooh, your pants were low I can see your 
like I said, go and catch the rest of it on the website. All right, back to Nelly and Shelley. Can sing and oh, loved every lyric. Oh my god! I was saying to Shelley before, Jude. One of the things that I, many things that I love and adore about you is that no disrespect to other colleagues, but there's a lot of mm. musical comedians who actually really can't play or sing. True. Jude can play and sing. What's that high note? Oh, oh. I thought my glasses were going to crack. What's that? And we all, haven't we all? Had, mine was a Shane, won't say the last name. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. you know, there's. we've all got one. I think I have a couple. Oh, yeah, I've got more than one. <laughs> yeah. for I was sure. unacquainted love for sure, Jude. Love oh, that. Amazing. And please, oh, please, so please much. go and see Jude in the Comedy Festival. Mm. And I don't mean this in a, in a kind of negative way, but I noticed I was sitting in the wonderful Selena Jenkins show on the weekend at Chill Out, and there were about two men in the audience. And I thought to myself, women go to men's shows. We go to women's shows and men's shows. And <laughs> it's, it's sometimes yes. the case that men don't go to women's shows. So we have to be doubly uh, vigilant, I think, about going to see women in the comedy festival. I'll definitely yeah. be coming to your show, Jude, and I hope all of our, our listeners and viewers will come too. Supporting You're amazing. Thanks. 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 Thank you oh, so, thanks so much. much. So good to see you guys. I'll see you soon. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Bravo. Take care. Well, that was beautiful. I loved <sighs> Jude. Thank you, Nelly. I love being... a talented young woman. I love a talented With young With some woman. confidence. And I love lifting them and Absolutely. sharing their story. Let's go and support her. Absolutely. So at the start of our show, you asked for some comments. We've had a lot of love for oh, Nicole. Oh, have we? A lot of love yes. for Nicole. Amazing, she of course. Is brilliant. And Debbie, we're sorry Legend. that you are home with COVID, mm. that you are a twin. So... We wish you nothing but health Take as well. Take care, Debbie. Yep. And, yeah, a lot of love for Nicole and the logistic nightmare. Like Lisa said, absolutely a logistic nightmare there. Oh, with COVID? With, not with COVID, with the floods. Oh, so, with the floods, absolutely. You know, if you can donate Oof. and you can help, like do what you can. You know, we really need to get behind other Australians here that are really struggling. And I have heard a couple of the agencies, and I know this happens in bushfires as well, say basically it's really nice of you sending us stuff, but can we, you please give us some money? Yeah. Because then we can decide what to buy yeah, 100%. based on what's needed, nappies or formula or bras or whatever it is. It's everything, isn't it's it? It's everything. It's things you don't even realise you have that they need that you need. You but know, they don't so. need 4,000 tins of lentils. No. You know what I'm saying? I don't need that either. Yeah. 100%. 100%. And Simone, good luck to you. She's 42 years old and playing in Masters footy. I love oh, that. good on you, Simone. We're a lot of that. It's not just Same. the younger people that are No. Going. A lot of older women are going back and playing this sport. So well yep. done. And Katrina... You and I are now best friends over the Participation Award. Yeah. <laughs> but it's been wonderful talking to you, Nelly. I've absolutely loved it. We've had some brilliant guests and yeah, shared absolutely. some great stories. But you've got some good news before we go. Do share about <gasps> your book, Sunbrains. Oh, look, I was a bit excited. I'm, I'm not big on awards in general, to mm. be honest. Um, but this one hit me in the feels, as they say. I found out yesterday that my book, Sunbrains, which is called Sunbrains, a book celebrating neurodiversity, which I wrote with my autistic daughter for other autistic kids, mm -hmm. um, has been nominated for the International Outstanding Books on Disability, which is an um, international volunteer peer committee. Um, and, yeah, I was just really chuffed, just yeah, really chuffed. really chuffed for you. Completely deserved the work thank that you. you do and the awareness that you raise. You've got a lot to be proud of. So oh, well thank you, Joe. I'm right back at you. <laughs> Now, Joe will be back with us next week and we're glad that she is on a road to recovery. Hopefully your week is full of a little glam, maybe a belly laugh. Yeah. But um, hopefully a belly laugh and maybe even a little surprise. You take care. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. 
Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.